Close your eyes. Imagine your favorite bar. Envision a perfect drink in your hand. You're sitting alone until a friendly stranger sits next to you and with a wink raises their glass to you. Over the course of the next hour, you chat, laugh, and drink in their story before parting ways with a smile on your face. This is a toast and a tale. Good evening. This is Marissa Rothermel. I am here with a toast and a tale. I am here with my friend, Rebecca DeVries, aka Becky, which you'll hear me call her, I am sure, throughout the evening, but a woman who tells me that it she'll go by just about anything, which I appreciate so very much. So we have had the opportunity to run into each other for kind of a silly amount of years now in mm-hmm. education, and we've been podcasting uh, I think three times together already not in this in a much more professional setting with coffee instead of alcohol Uh, and so I'm really (laughs) excited to relax with you because I feel like I've known you for a very long time but we've never had the opportunity to get together Uh, so hi and welcome Hi, thank you. No, I, you know, I might even hesitate to say, Marissa, it might even be over 10 years. I, you know, what? I think I almost said that and like, I'm not ready to say a decade yet. I'm not ready, <laughs> but I think if ooh, I think we're, we're closing in on it, I think. Because I, I don't think I had kids when I met you. Yet. Yeah. And my so. oldest biological child's almost 13. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, yeah, I guess so. I don't really know where I I think I feel like time made sense pre pandemic. And since then, I I don't feel like it's made any sense. And I don't know if it's actually a pandemic relation or if it has to do with that. I had a child during that. Yeah, that that messes up everything. Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) It screws screws everything up. You have no idea anymore. You're like, what? What year is it? Because if you think about it, and you're not I, I don't even know, you're not even kind of close to my age range but when people say to me oh you know like 20 years ago I'm like oh okay like 1999 they're like no I'm like yeah that you do not mess with my math it was totally 1999 like 20 years ago but I'm telling you people my age are like yeah 20 years ago 1999 nope 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 oh my goodness yeah no I've actually quit doing math as part of my advanced age um and I just rely on my toddler to count for me and as I was saying in one of the recent episodes she just repeats the number two over and over again. So <laughs> I wouldn't rely on me for like anything it. mathematical ever going forward. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get this party started because I'm thirsty. I made some concoction downstairs, which Ooh. is some uh, take on an old fashioned, only I am a cheater and I used old fashioned syrup by uh, Woodford oh, Reserve. You didn't mull? Well, I did not. (laughs) I didn't because I have found, I have found that this is the best cheater syrup on the market. And if paired with a decent bourbon, I used a four roses today. uh, It, it works really well on a nice ice cube. So I rocked my, my circle ice again today. Oh, look at you. Mm -hmm. That is fancy. It is very fancy in my fancy glassware. Huge ice cube in this beautiful glass. If you could see that, it's like the perfect ice cube too, because it's got like the cloud in the middle and uh-huh. kind of expands to the clear with the, yeah. You know, I don't mess around here on a toast and a tail. No, I can't, I, I don't have not. time for that. You know, I only have an hour. I got to drink something good for that hour. <laughs> I can't always take, take breaks and refill. Some people aren't down with that. They gave me an hour. That's it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I kind of ran out of cocktail syrup while using this. And so I decided, okay, what can I replace? So I threw and a little bit of Luxardo cherries with like a little mm. bit of the cherry syrup. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping this is delicious. And I'm really excited because I decided not to sip it at all until we got on here. 
So uh, first of all, cheers. Let's hope cheers. this doesn't crash. No, that's delicious. <laughs> oh, good. Good. I'm glad it's not trash. I'm it's glad. not trash. We're good. We're good. We can continue. We can continue recording. Whew. That was good. almost a crisis. All right. Let's get started. Round one. Who are you? Okay, round one. Who are you and what three words would you use to describe yourself? Oh my God. Who am I? Like that's, that's not something I can answer. Like one drink <laughs> and at eight o'clock on a, I mean, what night it is, Tuesday? Um, ask me in like, you know, 20 more years if we can figure out how long that is. Mm. Um, no. Okay. Three words. So I would say that I am a, hmm, I'm a curious person. Mm-hmm. I would say that I'm clever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say that I'm candid. I'm going to go into alliteration All right there. Oh, oh yeah. Whoa, I, that's that, a first yeah. For the show. Curious, curious, clever, and candid. I love that. So, what do you mean mm-hmm. by candid? I'm pretty honest. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people who know. Me... Oh, you. So, tell me what you mean by candid. So honest. I think that if people were going to describe me, they would definitely say that I am, um, tell it how it is, mm-hmm. and honest. Yeah. I'm gonna, I, I don't think that I tend to cut corners or, you know, probably to, to a fault. Like, I don't probably soften it as much as I should. <laughs> the reality <laughs> of things. I probably, although, you know, I should, but I just don't. That's, pretty, I'm pretty candid. That's good. That's a great, you know, people can trust on, trust you to be honest. And that is something that I think that we miss a little bit in, in society these days. I love that. And I love how you went for the, the alliteration, curious, clever, and candid. And I kind of need that to be part of your name now. So like Dr. Rebecca, <laughs> Becky, DeVries, curious, clever, candid. And then like every letter, because I know you have half the alphabet behind your name at this point. So just a through Z, list it. <laughs> Maybe if I hashtag like CCC, yeah. like, you know. That would be awesome. I think we're really onto something here. I love there it. There we go. Hashtag curious, hashtag clever, <laughs> hashtag candid. If we use all those hashtags, I hope your name comes up as the first thing under all of them. Oh, there we're you go. We're just going to take over, awesome. take over social media after this podcast. Put everything that I tweet out from now on. Please do. Please do. <laughs> put it, get a little tattoo, just three Cs. Let people wonder. The three Cs. All right. So what are you drinking? This, it looks so so pretty from where I am. Is it actually blue? What's? No. So I'm in Cape May. Um, We rent a home, a gorgeous home. You can see the beautiful, I know Marissa can see the beautiful artwork behind you. For those of you listening, it's this amazingly old picture of um, the ocean, I believe, probably here at Cape May. Uh, But we come to Cape May, New Jersey, and we rent this fabulous home, a couple blocks from the beach. And my entire family is here. Uh, My children, all four of them, my in-laws, my mother. Um, and so we just got done a very long dinner and everything. And, but so she has this glassware, this person that we rent from, and it is beautiful. It is like beautiful. It is. And it makes it look like I'm drinking so something so amazing. So you described your drink and all of the ways in which you <laughs> set it up. And now here comes, here comes the reality. So I have this beautiful, it's a champagne flute that I'm holding it with and like it has a like a blue base. Blue base so it makes it look like there's some sort of carousel or something at the bottom with like bubbly right no no I'm drinking a high noon and listen high noon there is it is an amazing drink I'm just going to shout out to high noon here because their sun sips at 100 calories they're awesome I they're perfect vodka with real fruit juice um they make it feel like you're drinking something like fancy and they're light enough because I just maybe had dessert and barbecue chicken and ice cream and brownies (laughs) and all kinds of things 
So a high noon at high noon. 818 at night. On the oh East my Coast goodness. It, you know, I am familiar with those cocktails and they are mm-hmm. phenomenal. They're so mm-hmm. good. And they're just like clean. I don't know how to describe it other than that. They just clean. They don't feel like they're junked up with stuff and I don't know, even they don't weigh you down. Bubbles. Yeah, they don't. I love them. A friend of mine introduced, she's super healthy uh, young lady and she introduced those to me and I just adore them. And I, did I see you had the grapefruit one? No, I have the watermelon right now. The watermelon, the okay. I love all of the flavors. It's one of the few. And I'm not somebody who likes any of the other hard seltzers or anything. This is the only kind of like sparkling kind of, you know, um, non-wine, but more of a mm-hmm. liquor kind of drink. But yeah, no, but you can make anything look amazing. If you I pick the right glass. I need those cups. <laughs> I, I can ask her, like, where did you get these little wine flutes? Because they really, every piece of glass where she has in this house has this blue tint to it. So the house is done in these blue, so everything matches beautifully. So I come here and it's like, it's, it's wonderful. You know, one of those Cape kind of homes that are like, you know, two stories and Victorian. And I just, I love it because I'm like, oh, my house never looks like this. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I can, and the I can only clean room in my house is this podcast room. And that's because I have to keep the shut, the, the room shut off from everybody else. So I actually have a, a shelf that I put together in here with all of my fancy glassware. And, mm. um, I'm really looking forward to breaking some of those out for photos pretty soon, but, uh, yeah, go. they're on a shelf and they're at toddler height and dog height, but I get to close this door. So they're safe. That's a good feeling, man. That's <laughs> a really is. good feeling. It's a really good feeling. And I'm so glad to hear that you like high noon. That is definitely my go-to as well. Uh, yep. it's, and I'm not a seltzer person. I've tried them all. Uh, there have been nope. moments where, okay, that's fine, but that, that's not a seltzer. Nope. Like that should not nope, be confused. It's not a hard, nope. Yeah. It's, a, it's a definite vodka drink. And I, I think that they're like, I have a summer. Are you a seasonal drinker? Oh, I'm, very I much. Like things and so I'm not a huge like liquor person. Like I give you credit for being a bourbon and stuff. I don't know what happened to me in, well, I do know what happened when I was in, <laughs> I was definitely legal age. Um, but those times do not make like Seagram seven and I don't get along anymore. I like understand. I would too, but, or, you know, even really when I bartended, like even having like Johnny Walker, Black Label, like that would be great to be able to say I could drink that. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I will never <laughs> touch Goldschlager again. I will <laughs> never again, never in my life. It's a beautiful, I, it's yes. a beautiful drink with a little gold flakes. You can make so many arty things. Never. Nope. Again. Nope. For a while, nope. I wouldn't even go near cinnamon. Okay. It's a, it's a does not pass the lips again. It did that enough in all the ways yes. we're done with it. it. Very, it's amazing <laughs> to me how many things that I probably have more things I won't drink now than I used to, which is, is not good. But like, um, I know in college, I loved car bombs. Like I love like Guinness <laughs> yep. with like, is that Jaeger that they put in it? I don't know. Uh, the, what is they drop and... it in. Uh, it no, Bailey's? it's, it's Bailey's. Yeah. It's Bailey's it because Bailey's? it curdles. It if you don't, Bailey's? it is it's because it curdles if you don't drink it fast enough. So yeah, there were, there were a lot of, um, Guinness and Bailey's in my college days in oh, Albany. Man. So yeah, I don't know that I could ever do that again. I, how I would ever chug any of those. I don't know. You hit your forties and you forget who that person was. But. <laughs> I don't care how thirsty I am. I don't think I could chug anything anymore. I really, I just, no, I don't have no. it in me. There's, there's a capacity no. and energy that no. existed uh-uh. in my youth that is no longer present. <laughs> there was a stomach that existed long ago that does not exist anymore. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> true. Absolutely. Absolutely true. But maybe I'll win you back to bourbon someday. Mm. <laughs> Definitely my favorite. 
I, that's how I became, you know, loving wine was you just, you know, when I bartended being able to just like, it's an acquired taste, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that whiskeys and bourbons are the same kind of thing. You really could become an acquired taste, but um, yeah, no, I just, I'm not there yet. So, and you know how it is with a kid, you're just grabbing certain things. You're like, okay, what's quick? What can I pop the top off of right this second? Because this is, you know, (laughs) what box of wine do I have in my fridge? Mm -hmm. That's yeah, that is absolutely true. Parenting. And my husband doesn't drink wine or anything. So I have to be have something like the little bottles are my savior because I don't want to open a whole bottle because oh, yep. he's not going to drink it. So then it's going to go to waste if I open a whole bottle. I'm the same way. That's why I've moved to the box. And I'm specifically tasted so many boxes because I can't, I'm not going to go open a bottle. You know, if I open a bottle of red, I'm going to sit there and be like, this is going to be bad tomorrow. <laughs> well, I'm not one for wasting. <laughs> and then the next day, my head hurts the entire day among, you know, probably a piece of my liver having passed away. But <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, no, I know that's the gone are those days. And mm-hmm. I've tried every device under the sun for, you know, saving an open bottle of wine. And I have Doesn't not work. found one that works. I have no, not. I haven't. Nope. I haven't either. I can cook with it if I need to, but yeah, no, the, yeah. I do enjoy a little bit of, uh, red in the winter, like a fall, a fall wines. And then, um, I like some mold cider, mm-hmm. some red homemade mold cider in the winter, um, definitely around Christmas, but now do you drink any of the pumpkin stuff. flavor things, you know, since we're talking no. about seasons changing now, you're not a pumpkin no, girl, I'm not okay. a pumpkin girl. Okay. See, no pumpkin I'm... spice stuff here. I know. No. Wow. Yeah. See, I am, I am a pumpkin spice girl all the way. And Krispy Kreme just put out pumpkin spice donuts and oh. I, it's literally 90 degrees here in South Carolina. And I'm not complaining about the weather at all, but I'm like, do I want pumpkin spice donuts now that I live down here? Is it, <laughs> do I, how do I feel? I have to reevaluate my fall having moved this past year because no. that used to be oh. I, like, crisp leaves and and apples and pumpkins mm-hmm. and all those classic oh you, you know, make me so excited for that yeah Yay. I love fall I lo- mm-hmm. like that was gonna be the thing that I I was concerned the season I was concerned about missing in New York mm-hmm. so it's gonna be very interesting all these people uh from back home are talking about like breaking out their sweatshirts they're getting ready mm-hmm. Halloween decor is coming up all the pumpkin beers are out for all of my beer blogger oh, yeah. friends and I'm mm-hmm. going this is weird this is weird because it's that that mid-August. You usually get that one weirdly cold day and yep. you know, early September, all of a sudden it's Arctic for two weeks and then it, it, it swings like back. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's going to be an interesting year. I'm going to have to see what happens with my, my pumpkin. You'll get adoration. used to it. You'll be like, oh, what do you mean it's negative 10 and the wind is blowing <laughs> in Albany? It's, it's totally, it's only like 72 here and I'm freezing too I'm freezing too I have my sweatshirt on okay because you do you do adapt I learned that really quickly that you do adapt down here because at 70 degrees we do we have our air set at 70 degrees overnight and I'm under a blanket with long sleeves on shivering and my husband when he listens to this I'll give you back one degree. I will change the thermostat to 71. I'm not that's ready. The bourbon to talking. Do not, do not. We'll give him one. That's the bourbon degree. That's the bourbon talking. The bourbon degree. That's right. Yeah, the bourbon degree. Oh my goodness. I could have a degree in bourbon. I've done, I've done enough studies. I think I could, I could do that. There are probably people who know more than me. I, it's probably like an associate's or maybe a bachelor's in bourbon, but I could, I could definitely have some paper to back me up. <laughs> Higher ed is not outside of your reach. You could totally do it. I would. That would be great. I would love that. Oh, man. 
special education teacher, bourbon aficionado. They really do go hand in hand, right? <laughs> they, pr they probably do. Oh, which we probably don't want to talk about it in a good podcast. Right. That's why we're on fun. this podcast, <laughs> not the other one. That said, we yeah. can analyze the statistics on the on the professional podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll break those down. So happy about that. Uh, how about round three? Where are All you right. living now? And where have you lived before? I don't know these answers, actually. So, I mean, I know you're in. Actually, I don't know if you're Albany, Schenectady, Troy, Saratoga. Clifton Park. Clifton Park. That's stomping We're giving her a big thumbs down. Yeah, you know, I grew up there. Um, I lived there because my husband's kids and we kind of needed to live in that area for their school. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a big suburban person. I mean, it's lovely. We live in the quintessential kind of like, you know, a um, little bit of, uh, we live in a place where, you know, it's one of those, they have like a name, right? Everything has a tree. Oh yeah, everything's Everything's a tree. So they say like the higher up the economic ladder you go, you get a tree with the name on your street or something. I don't know. Or at least maybe in New York. It's absolutely so. a thing in that area. hundred percent. You get, you can start at plants, but you, you know, you've made it when you're on, you know, Oak tree lane. Yeah. We're, we're on a tree street in Clifton park. Um, and it is a lovely place to raise children in terms of safety and the kids can ride their bikes and there's a park and we have all the amenities and all those things, but, and we have a huge home and, you know, that it's all lovely, but um, it, we live there for necessity and I would prefer to, I, like if when my kids are grown, I would give it all up and like we would have a roaming home for several years and just travel the country and that's what I would love to do. But um, right now I live there. I have lived um, in Troy, New York. I've lived in Cohoes, New York. Uh, so all around the capital region for more years than I lived um, previous to going to college. I lived upstate in a little town called Peasleyville, New York, which is near it's like you have to like place it near other places. So people kind of have an approximation. <laughs> so it's kind of near Schuyler Falls, which is near Peru, New York, which is near Plattsburgh, New York. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so edge of Canada, so, sort of. Kind of kind north of. and not anywhere near Buffalo in terms no, of that. Right. So. Yes. Not Toronto, Canada, mm -hmm. Montreal, Canada. Right. Montreal. That's, that's actually a really important point. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> most people think Toronto, you know that they're yeah. so close but really new york is shaped like snoopy i love that analogy yeah i've never heard that like a sideways facing snoopy with the nose being over on you know the end of lake erie over that way towards pennsylvania and then the big ear and then down towards long island and yeah so yeah it's very and then prior to that um indiana actually until i was five that's where i was originally born my father is from there so and his family lives out there near in lafayette which is just uh, probably I think about an hour or so outside of Chicago. Okay. Do you have many memories from under five out there? Did you carry any of that Indiana with you? You know, I like to think I do, but I wonder if it's more of what people have told me. So, you mm. know, up until the age of five, like you think you remember it and it's in your head, but yep. somebody might've told you the story so many times. It might be actually somebody else's memory inside my head. So maybe there might've been a tornado once with a green sky. There might've been like <laughs> preschool. But I could be wrong in circle time. I don't know. I think mm -hmm. I was there. They told me I was there. I think I remember, but I'm not quite sure. That makes sense. So, I love um, that debate about, you know, what do you really remember under age five? Because I'm telling mm -hmm. you, I flat out remember things that no one would have known other than me at the time, like making those core memories. Just, mm -hmm. but I, and I had to have been under two or under three, no, under two, because we stopped living in Connecticut. Um, when I was, when, when I was two, when I had just turned two and, uh, 
it, it seems impossible to have memories from there. But my earliest memory, I swear to you, was I think the day that I I, I embraced my like, I'm going to save everyone, you know, mentality, which just <laughs> formed my life. I had a Sesame Street plastic pool bench. And there was one day, so we, we had a town home front door okay you open it up and there's a staircase on the right to go up to your left there is the living room behind that there is a kitchen and behind that there is like a very tiny screened in porch my mother was behind the very small island that was in this kitchen and i saw an ant a black ant crawling toward my mother and i knew she needed to be saved so i took (laughs) my big bird hammer and I went and I hammered the shit out of that little ant. <laughs> and so I even remember this because I started saving people or I'm a secret like murderer and I, yeah. I traumatized myself just <laughs> murderizing this poor black ant that just wanted to go get a snack. But I saved my mother that day. So <laughs> is I my mother has no idea what I'm talking about, thinks I'm insane. No. I remember this so very, very clearly. She goes, I remember the tool set. I don't I don't know anything about this ant. I'm telling you. She's wondering about... what other things you killed with the hammer, but <laughs> my little sister made it. So uh Ooh, thank oh. goodness. <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> memories about that, <laughs> memories about playing hungry, hungry hippo and, and telling her not mm-hmm. to put the little white ball things in her mouth. Uh, you know, and what there was like a secret room through my parents' closet. And I have always wanted maybe that's why I'm podcasting from a closet now. It's all coming maybe. together. Whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, we're unpacking you some stuff that. now. <laughs> There was a secret room behind uh, my parents' closet. You would literally push aside suit coats and go up this mini staircase. You'd walk up like three mm-hmm. or four stairs, take a, um, take a turn, go up the tall bit of the staircase. And that's where my father's office was in an attic. Uh, cool. So, yeah, it was really cool. And I always thought it was the coolest room in the house, even though I wasn't allowed to touch anything. <laughs> yeah, that's really awesome, though. Yeah, it was really cool. So maybe that's why I have memories from being that young uh, is just because and because I've looked through every photo that they own. There's no photos of uh, any of these places. So and they haven't told I, you stories or anything of it. No, my parents don't tell stories. <laughs> They're not <laughs> the one with the storytelling gene. My father has it, but he needs an audience. He needs like a, oh. how many people are there? I need 20 people. OK, showman activate. And he's a phenomenal storyteller, but he loves, he loves the stage. So yeah, the stories, the stories don't free flow, but if there's an audience, then we can get them out of them. The right conditions met in order to make yeah, it worth his yeah. while. If then sentence, you know, if 20 plus people, then we're going to get a good story tonight. <laughs> Less than. Well, you can experiment on your own child now. So it's good that you're having this conversation with a psychologist because what you can do <laughs> Is you could, you know, really, you know, write down some things that happen and then don't tell her. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Let's start you with the secret keeping now. Tell her either. <laughs> you don't, don't put it on else. Facebook. I don't know. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> don't tell her anything. And then when she gets older, you can, you can quiz her like, do you remember this? Yeah, and then she can give you the details and you'll know for sure whether or not it was a crystallized memory at the moment. All right. I mean, there you go. Like my my little guy who's nine, Ozzy, he has the he's my storyteller. And he does tell me the best stories in terms of his first memories of why he has such a good imagination and everything. So 
you, that's all you do is you write it down. Don't right. tell them. And then when they, they'll come back and tell you later and then see, you get, there you go. I love it. Fine. We'll done. I'll right report there. back. I'll report back in a decade ish. Let us know if it works out. <laughs> The, the much the, the much later toast and a tale where we can talk about knowing each other for two decades and we'll drink oh God. two drinks at the same time. That'll be 20 <laughs> years. Oh my God, no. no. Too much 20 years. That's I don't crazy. know where the time goes. So mm-hmm. you're in Clifton Park. How, how long have you been in Clifton mm-hmm. Park? Well, five years, I think. Five years, okay. I think I moved out there about five years ago. I bought a house there about five years ago. So yeah, if, if I could like just quit it all and just take, you know, with four children amongst three households, it would be very difficult to do the, you know, the, the shared custody would be a bit difficult, but, um, just, you know, take a, get a big driving RV and just, uh, go cross country. I'd love to just go to different places and experiment with what, like the, you know, different foods and the different locations and just unplug and, you know, just, oh, that would be amazing. But we are committed to our area, at least my little guy's <laughs> nine until he goes to college. But I keep swearing as soon as he's off, then I'm selling the house and he keeps promising, promising me he's staying. So we'll see who wins. <laughs> we'll see who wins. Get him we'll to graduate a year early. Call it a draw. No. Well, he's like, I'm just going to go to college around here. I'm like, no, you don't want these colleges around here. No. I don't no, want no. that. No, no way. Get, how about you go to California? And then mom has a reason to visit. You know, mm-hmm. that seems good. That's a good way to look at it, actually. I think my husband went away for college and he says it's one of the best decisions he ever made. He went down to Florida uh, where I stayed local and I regret to this day and I don't really regret it, but I do wonder how different life would have looked if I had gone away. And that's the opportunity, right? That's the opportunity is to, to go. You're expected to just abandon everything and study. You know, why don't we go to college when we're 40? What, why, why don't I at 37 say, you know what? I'm going to college. You keep the kid. I'll be back in four <laughs> years. I know, right? <laughs> we'll trade. Like, yeah. You know, I'll go for four. You go for four. Yeah. Oh, God, wouldn't that be great? Like, if you could just live your life over with what you know now, and yeah. your, it would be amazing. It would. I think we all think that when we hit midlife, we're like, if I could just go back, but keep my brain the same with everything I know now and redo it, oh, it'd be so much better someday we'll find a way to make that an option. It'll probably be like a one-way matrix thing, like take a pill, forget everything. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, can't ooh, have both. people will, people will do it and it'll be interesting to watch that happen. Mm-hmm. All right. So you kind of dropped it, but uh, round four, what are you doing for work? Uh, well, I'm a psychologist. I'm an administrator, work in education, you name it, jack of all trades. Um, it's, it's great work. I love what I do. Um, you know, I think that being in education these days, people say it's tough, but I don't know. I think it's always been tough. It's just tough in a different kind of way. It's just evolving. But I feel like I don't know the difference between what was tough when I was 25, when I started and tough when you're 42 (laughs) and, you know, in a different kind of way. I think that we work in a system that is, it's difficult, even though it's geared towards women really to work in, um, it's not actually administration is not geared towards administrate towards women to work in. Um, my husband who's an administrator too. And I have this, have this conversation all the time about like how many male administrators there are. And like, as you move up through the ranks, like what a boys club it is. And, you know, but I am in awe of the other women around me who do what I do because it's not super family friendly at all. Like you definitely, you, Oh, 12 hour days, you sacrifice so much. Like, um, yeah, there's definitely a reason why there's a lot more men in administration. So it's not a good system. Um, 
but I think that it's it's changing and I expect things to continuously change over the next couple of years. In fact, I would wonder it state by state with the way things are going, if we'll even recognize what education looks like in the next 10 years. I, yeah, I, like, it, like when we went to school, yeah, it'll be different <laughs> that, I mean, if we look at, you know, even special education and what it looked like in the nineties compared to the two thousands compared to now, you know, I mean, there has been such a wild change in the last, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm going to say 30 years. Uh, but yeah, it, it's been crazy. And I think the education system as a whole is changing. And, you know, we could talk at length about how many shortages they're, they're saying 300, a thousand personnel shortages across the U.S. right now in education. It, it's funny that's you bring that up. cause change. Do you think so? And, and I, you know, I haven't read enough into it yet or anything, but do you think that it really is not because I feel like there is a lot of driving people out of education, but do we, I also wonder, um, you know, how much of it is towards um, privatizing education? You know what I mean? Like I do, I wonder like in, in, cause New York is such a public school kind of space where I live which is very different than other states. So like we pour a a mass amount of money into public education, but there's always that push and pull of charter schools, which take public money and then privatize education, which has not been as, um, you know, lucrative in New York state. So I I wonder too, if how much of it is system pieces that we're not even aware of. I think there's part of that. Yeah, I think that's a big piece of it. I think that, you know, not to draw things back to the pandemic, but I think that changed a lot of things. You know, it changed a lot of mindset. People retired. There was like encouraged Mm -hmm. retirement. And now we suddenly need those people to still be doing what they're Mm -hmm. doing. I think that there uh, is a significant lack of childcare because, you know, education, the education world is chronically underpaid, but even more so is early childhood education. So more people are being forced to stay at home or work from home, et cetera, or take jobs that they wouldn't have taken beforehand because they have, they've reproduced. And now there's nothing to, they can't go teach in a classroom with their infant. So I think that there's a big issue there. There is, you know what, you're right, because uh, I don't know if you heard this, but New York state actually put, is putting legislation through that school psychologists cannot be compensated to work in EI. Early intervention. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. What? So from birth to three, they, that no school psychologist would be able to do an assessment and they were not going to fund it. So all of these preschool agencies, you know, when you do the EI yeah. transition evaluation, they didn't want them anymore. So New York Association of School Psychologists, which I sit on, we had pushed really hard against that. And so we've gotten like a kind of a stay of an ex- execution for a whole year or so. And we're still working on it with the governor and the legislatures, wow. but they're trying to kick school psychs out of EI from birth to three. That is so. Isn't that so crazy? Sad. So like there are systems, but that's what I wonder about with the systems components of like who they're pushing out. Like you said, like you can't afford. Like when I came out, I was a preschool psychologist. That gave me so much stuff to like be able to be a well-rounded psych when I worked in a public school building. Um, yeah, to say that we wouldn't be able to go in and see littles like that. I believe that every educator should have a mandatory two to three years in early childhood services. I had no idea the intensity Mm -hmm. and the joy that existed in preschool and younger education until I was in it and woefully unprepared for it. I had Mm -hmm. no idea. I got hired as a special educator in a preschool setting after being laid off in New York. I had a massive teacher layoff. I got caught up in that. 
Uh, nope. Years ago, I found myself in preschool. I said, how hard can it be? I walked in. I have <laughs> never cried. I lost a student. Wait, is that where I met you? Is that where I <laughs> Yeah, I think you? it is. I think it is. <laughs> Were you at the, uh, you weren't at the one agency I had worked at, right? Or were you were at the other agency in Troy, right? Albany and Troy. Um, I was initially Albany in Albany and then Troy. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you weren't, yes. we were we didn't work for the same agency. Yet, no, right? we did not. Or, okay. I don't so, think so. I don't think so either. But yeah. So I think that's how I met you. Was I think it might've been. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and what, just circling back for a second, when I say I lost a student, I had a child who was a runner and no one told me. <laughs> so he got off the bus and bolted. And he hid somewhere in the school. And I was like, this is my first day. Nobody told me any of this. We found him in the kitchen. You know, we locked down all of that kind of stuff. Uh, It was horrible. It was the worst day of my life. We used to come up with systems called code sneakers. We used to (laughs) sneakers, code sneakers. So many things to prevent what happened that day. But I was like, okay, I'm in it now. I am in it. Now I'm going to, I'm going to beat this system because it just broke me. You were like, like, I'm going to get you, mister. Like, listen, I love you, but you are never running from me ever again. That is the last time you ever pull one over on me. That is never happening again on my watch. The best part of this. Well, let, let me say this. I stayed with that program for several years, I think six. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had some wonderful administration who explained to me the importance of music and song. And I found my singing voice and I built my platform for the rest of everything on music in the classroom. And, you know, sound now some of my closest friends are music therapists. I mean, it changed my whole world going into EI. But the happiest part of the story, that child who ran that day, he stayed within the special education system. And I've always had um, a love for working with the most intense students. And uh, he ended up being a high schooler in the program I was working in last year, like an early high schooler. And he remembered me. Really? I was like, he remembered you, dude, you were four (laughs) and he remembered me. And he was like, do you have our class picture from back then? And he remembered specific memories and interventions that I used. Like this was during the time of angry birds and he could work for playing angry birds. And he had gone through all of this trauma, but he, he remembered me. He remembered my co-teacher. He remembered uh, two children, though he didn't remember their names, but he could describe mm. them. And I was like, oh, my God, I made an impact. And we were, you know, we yeah. were cool hanging out this year. Like, not yeah. hanging out, but I got to, yeah. you know, help out when he needed help this past year. And uh, it was really, really cool. The unknown statistic. It's neat to know you can make an impression that, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah I agree with you. I think everybody should start in preschool. I had the same, like, that was my experience, too. I had done my internship in an urban setting and I loved it, but, um, I had taken a maternity leave and it burned me out. Like I was in a very, very large urban building and the principal was amazing. She was a very nice, wonderful woman, but her day ended at 11 o'clock and there was no AP. It was me and she would hand me the walkie and off I would go into the principal's office. And here I am, this brand new 25 year old Uh. psychologist in a building of 700 with no AP and I would just be an administrator. Great. That's not what I wanted. <laughs> so from January to June, I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Um, so even though I could have stayed there, I went to a preschool agency and I found out all the things I didn't know. Yeah. Special, like the person that taught me the most was a speech therapist, a special ed teacher, OT and PT. And when the four of them interviewed me and sat down, 
And I realized all of these amazing things that developed into all these other things. And I was like, oh, I belong here because I don't know any of this. Nothing prepared me for this. So literally everybody should do preschool for several years. I believe it should be mandatory. You should do preschool. It it teaches you something you don't even know you don't know. (laughs) That's right. That's yeah. it's magical. It's magical mm-hmm. and song filled and glitter filled. If you're in my classroom, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, there are other not so fun things about it, but yeah. toileting and other yeah. cool stuff, but yeah, vomiting and all that, but you know, good stuff. Cool. It's okay. <laughs> it's fun. So we've talked education. If you could do anything else, what would you do? Um, I'd probably travel and consult. Mm. I do love podcasting. I have to say, like I would do this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it is super sign on, fun. Sign on, talk to people. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Meet new people. Um, yeah, constant. I I think I would probably do public speaking. I do. I would, you know, I really enjoy um, going to professional development. I'd like to get into that realm. Um, the consulting component, definitely. I think, you know, I'm going into my 18th year. Um, nice. There's, thank you. There's still so much I don't know, but I feel like when I hit 2025. 20, so yeah, I think I'd give it up to like, maybe make the rounds of the United States or whatever. And go and talk about different things that I've done or things that have been successful or things that haven't. So people could learn. I would support you on that fully. You are a wonderful speaker. Mm-hmm. And while I would listen to you, if you put out a podcast every week, I would totally support that. I think it'd be even better <laughs> if you got time. to see the world while doing that. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm come getting paid for it. Okay. okay. That's fine. <laughs> you just drop <laughs> in whatever you want. <laughs> I have some great new things on the horizon. I got to master that first. I can't, I wish I had time for my own podcast. I'd write a book actually, if I had the time. That would be I don't cool. even know what I would write about, but yeah, I would love to write a book. Absolutely. I've always said that I'd like to write a book and then uh, the time never presented itself. And I said, well, you know what? I guess I'm going to have to tell my story so- through some other medium and lo and behold, I found a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so between this one and the other one, I'm doing plenty of talking about my life stories. It's good for, so. it's good for the world. That's good. That's very, very good. I appreciate the support. So uh, round five, share a high point in your life or something you are personally proud of. Um, I would say definitely by and far completing my doctorate. Mm-hmm. I did my second master's and my doctorate all at the same time with two very young children, uh, went through a divorce um, and did it in two and a half years. So I just remember standing up there and when you defend your dissertation, like you're not allowed notes. You've done all, I did all of this quantitative research on like New York state public education stuff. And I just remember being like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And I did. It was awesome. So wow. definitely probably one of the most things I'm proud of is, and, and so, you know, it's funny, we, we joke about my name, Marissa, but the one thing <laughs> I didn't say was, yes, every, anybody can call me anything, but please, please do not call me Ms. DeVries or Mrs. DeVries. I, mm-hmm. I do. There are quite a few people who will say, oh, Ms. DeVries. I don't even care if you say my last name wrong. I don't care, but it's never Ms. or Mrs. It's doctor. Yeah. So you've earned I it. I do say that to people. You <laughs> have earned it. You can call me Becky. You can call me Rebecca, but if you're going to, or you can just call me DeVries because a lot of people do that too, just by last names, which is fine. But uh, if you're going to call me Ms. or Mrs., nope, it's doctor. Thank you. Yeah. Good <laughs> for you. I so. mean, that those years must be a blur for you. They have oh, to be. Really you were doing so much. Up. Oh my God. It was so crazy. Yeah, it was definitely a lot. It was a lot, a lot of a personal life upheaval and then that and just, yeah, it was a lot. But it was, it was also like something I knew that I needed to do. I wanted it done before I was 40. I was a first generation college student. Like I was, so I was like, you know, 
tried out a semester at state college, didn't have the money to continue into a second semester. So when I withdrew, they're like, why are you leaving? I'm like, cause y'all cost too much. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and so I went to community college. Um, I had the opportunity in high school to do AP courses. So I went into college with 12 credits, but, um, you know, went to community college, didn't go away to college cause got into places, couldn't afford to go, but finished community college. My professors at community college, I have to tell you were the most amazing people like Mr. Carl Luters, who was, if he's still out there, I don't even know if he's alive, but he, we exchanged cards for a few, you, you, a few years. He was at Clinton Community College. He just was so incredibly like encouraging. He was a psychologist. He was just a wonderful man. And he really pushed me to go into psychology. And so that was ultimately why I went to SUNY Albany because he really pushed me. He let me, it wasn't even a thing to TA in a community class. And he gave me he let me take credits to like grade his test and run classes. It was awesome. He was just a wonderful man. And then, um, so like if people are out there thinking about community college, like do it. Like it was awesome. It was great to go to community college. I also am a community college product. I am. I am. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it was super important because there's a joke locally, as I'm sure you've heard, uh, if you graduate from the same school that your children are going to, you go to 13th grade across the river at good old HVCC. And you know, I needed 13th grade. I did. I really did need 13th grade. I had lived some life in my uh, early teens and I then became a great student in later high school. But then I decided that I would stick to my plan of getting out of the house and I, you know, got my own apartment. And with that came the responsibility of traveling to school and getting there on time. And I'll tell you, I did not. <laughs> I, I learned so much about time management. I learned some of my own strengths. Like I, I could rock a writing class. I could rock a public speaking class or a drama class. I could not get through biology. I, oh my God. Yeah. I, can I not identify a giraffe? I don't know what the problem was. I, I, to be fair, that would be zoology. I was told to take that, but it wasn't going to transfer to my next school. So I was stuck in bio, bio I think three times. I swear to oh God, God, I understand the human body. I just don't know all the little mitochondria and stuff. I, I still don't know. I don't know how I got there. I don't need to know that. I don't, no. I promise. But I it's mean, it's the most understated thing ever. Yeah, it is. College. It really is. It's underappreciated because I got through very. a lot of core classes there for a much less expensive cost, mm -hmm. even if I had to take them more than once. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot in those two years and I, you know, was able to then move on to a four year and then eventually a master's. But if you looked at my performance in quote unquote, 13th grade, AKA my associate's degree, you'd be like, that is not a master's candidate. She is. <laughs> Did you get through it? Um, you know, but I learned, I learned so much during those years. Um, it's it's I really hope that my daughter ends up going to a community college because I think that you find yourself a little bit there and you learn a little bit more about who you are and hopefully you get that independent living experience too uh while you're doing that or or first work experience or whatever you know some kind of taste of adulthood while while doing it no but. I think too like we're not good predictors at what we're going to be successful at. I think I've always wanted to kind of look at the analysis of like how well kids do in like four years in master's programs because as time went on, I got even better at school because I went into something I was really super interested in. And we, 
we, we hang so much on like achievement and IQ, but really, if you look at like interest level and motivation, like that's so much more important in getting you to do really well at school. And so, cause like, you know, when I got, by the time I get to my first master's, second master's and, and my doctorate, I was getting four O's, but like, you know, cause you want like, to do yes, the work. Right. Because I was actually interested. I also wanted to get the hell out of my town, but I, so I did well in community college and, and in, in, in SUNY as well when I moved to SUNY Albany, but like in high school, I was just kind of, I was kind of like, eh, whatever. Did I want to go out? I mean, I was an athlete, so I did play sports. So that drove me a little bit, but did I do as well as I could have? No. Did anybody explain to me that I could have actually taken the PSAT and that there was a national merit scholarship and should have done some of that? No. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Same boat. Same boat. Yeah. Probably not so great. (laughs) I did great in the classes that were my electives that I was interested in. And that played through. Same thing with my bachelor's. Same thing with my master's. If I'm interested, I am all in. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going to get an A out of me. I am invested. Uh, You know, if we care about letter grades or whatever. But if I don't care, ooh, that's going to show. Sorry, parents. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. No, sorry. It's kind of the reality that hits you in the face, though. I mean, you have some kids like my 12 year old. He kind of just is that kid that's going to be a great student no matter what, because he just gets the game. He gets it. Um, But we work on the growth mindset because actually um, kids who are, you know, he's definitely gifted um, and he gifted kids have a much higher dropout rate at college than any other, any other subject. Isn't that a fascinating statistic? Mm -hmm. I, that's one of my favorites. It really is because it's like everyone starts thinking, oh no, they're going to coast through. It's going to be straight A's. It's no problem. They're a golden child. No, there's so much more there than just, you know, your, your academic gift. And yeah. So he works on the growth mindset. He knows he's like, when's it going to get hard? I'm like, well, maybe not yet, but you'll get there. Some <laughs> don't <point>. you worry. <laughs> It'll get hard. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Something to look forward to. I promise you life will get harder. <laughs> I know. Right. But when you're um, 21, you can also have an alcohol. <laughs> that's <laughs> Just right. Just, Just one. one. <laughs> uh, all right. So how about a challenge you've overcome? I kind of oh. find it hard to believe that, you know, there's anything more oh. challenging than your doctoral divorce years, but Dang, girl. Oh, <laughs> Not enough time and alcohol in the world to kind right? of like uh, go through all of it. Um, got a challenge. Oh, I, you know, a challenge, a challenge. Everything feels like it's a challenge when you're in the moment of it, doesn't it? So mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. that's a really hard question to answer because right now I feel like I'm really having a hard time like not checking my email and being on vacation and with four <laughs> children and in-laws. Feels like the most challenging thing ever right this yeah. second. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there is like a challenge challenge because with everything there's that that push and pull Mm -hmm. so like growing up in upstate new york there was definitely there was no diversity other than economic diversity so could i play the card of like growing up in poverty absolutely um but you know definitely and then you know my friends that had and i didn't or whatever and what that meant for me as i got older or you know any of those things um so that was challenging being a first generation college student, not having anybody explain anything to you. And you kind of like literally have to figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that like the biggest challenge literally sometimes is and I'm, like, you do, it's also your greatest joy. It's definitely, you know, you always want to say your greatest accomplishment, your kids, but I always. actually think my greatest challenge too has become, has been learning who I am and who I am as a parent because, um, I constantly find myself having to say to my kids, like, 
oh, oh, you guys, instead of like, my big thing is I'm, I'm a total screamer. Like I am that parent who screams <laughs> at my kid. Like, mm-hmm. and it sounds so stupid, <laughs> but I am. Oh my God, Marissa, Wait. when they're in a car with you, they're so freaking loud and they won't leave each other alone. And the two boys, so I have two stepdaughters and they are lovely and they are so well behaved. And it makes me so angry because like <laughs> my boys, my biological children that I gave birth to, yep. who I love more than I, and I love all four of them, but the two of them, I look at them and I'm like, what, what is, what is wrong with you? And I, I don't even say that to the kids I work with. I say, oh, what happened to you? And now I'm like, oh, looking at my boys going, oh, I happened to you. Damn it. Um, <laughs> So I gave birth to you. Now I see what's going on. Oh, so um, much makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, I, so yeah, become literally the biggest challenge for me has been being a good parent because how do you freaking balance it all? And it sounds like such a trite and crazy thing to say. No, it doesn't. All, you can cover all the other crap, but underneath it all really is like you go through your thirties and your forties and you're kind of like in therapy, hopefully. I know I needed it and you're discovering who you are and maybe you're still married or maybe you're going to divorce. Maybe you're getting remarried. Maybe you're, it, it's just life is insane. And so the challenge is how do you raise competent individuals in the midst of all while you're growing too. And you have to walk that line of like talking to them about, okay. So that my kids know that when mommy yells, none of them call me mommy anymore. It's like, thank oh, God I'm not broke. They call yet. you doctor. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I just want to know where the line is. Sometimes. Of course it Depends on what mood I'm in. That'd be doctor. There is a magnet on my fridge that one of my favorite professors gave me that says you can call me doctor now. That's Um, great. They they tell people. They do tell people that, though. I know they're proud of me for that. Um, And I do have pictures of them working alongside me as I was running statistics in my office. Um, So, uh, no, they know that sometimes my anxiety looks like anger because anger is the most easily accessible emotion for me. Um, and so like when they're running up and down the stairs and all in my head and my seat, I just see them falling and all the blood and the death and the broken necks. And I'm like, stop running. And they're like, it's okay, mom, we're fine. We're good. We're okay. No one's hurt. <laughs> they know that that is my anxiety. We'll be in the car. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so triggered right now. You guys have to stop hitting each other. And they're like, okay, mom, four, seven, eight, breathe. It's okay. I think we've talked about this before. Like my kids, literally, I, I said to one of them the other day, I was like, go away from me and just breathe for four, seven, eight, please. And they're like, are you talking to me or are you? I'm like, I'm talking to myself. Just go away, dude. <laughs> so literally that's a challenge. Honestly, honestly, that so is the, the realest truth I have heard <laughs> on this podcast yet, because it's, you know, we are really in a new world where we're allowed to be ourselves as mm-hmm. mothers, you know, and I think um, it's probably that way as parents, I can only speak to the mothering point of it, but mm-hmm. that we don't lose our identities, you know, when a child falls out, <laughs> yeah. you know, we are still people and we are still learning and developing and have so much more to offer and share and figure out who we are. And I just don't know that we grew up in the era where that was normalized you know were modeled nope. or it certainly wasn't on television <laughs> you nope. know it's it's so it's a very new thing and I find myself using phrases with my daughter who's not yet two. mommy needs a break I need you to chill for just a second while mommy gets herself together yep. and I can tell you that those words were never uttered to nope. me as a child I'm so old. My parents needed a commercial on the TV. Do you know where your children are at 10 p.m.? Come on. <laughs> exactly. I remember those. Yes. You yes. didn't know where I was half the time. That's right. You know, be on, be home when the lights come on. 
Um, it was, you know, it's a different world that we are trying to raise youth in and we are, Mm -hmm. we are pioneering it for the kids that come next. And we have learned so much as far as individuality goes and as far as you know growth mindset goes and just continuing to develop and and being who you are throughout your entire lifetime that you're never fully done you know like that life didn't end at marriage and kids and that maybe it takes another marriage or more kids or whatever and like all of that's okay it's part of your journey that just was unheard of when we were young yeah you know so It's, it's wild. I think that's a great challenge and continue overcoming it because your kids are telling you to use your breathing strategies. And that's a sign of an awesome mom. (laughs) They know. I'm doing my best. They do. They're, they're really good. They bear with me. (laughs) Fantastic. It is. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's wild. The world that we're living in right now. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's so cool. So uh, how about something unexpected about you or that few people know about you? Oh, unexpected. Um, you ever do those icebreakers? I'm an educator. Of course I've done an icebreaker. This is, my, this, is my, this is my favorite little tidbit about myself because it tells you truly how, um, we'll go back to curious, I really am. So I grew up reading Stephen King, obsessed. So by the chance. Uh, really? My first, so- my first Stephen King book, I was in the first grade and it was it. Yeah, like unfettered, <laughs> do you know where your children are? 10 p.m. TV shows tells me that we read them at very, very early ages. Yes, yeah. I, I don't know how old I was, but I'm going to tell you it was very, very young. So Stephen King, if you're listening. Um, right, please, please. <laughs> please listen. I love you. Whatever algorithm <laughs> picks up the names here, um, we're calling you out. No, um, obsessed. And so I would say that not only am I so in love with his writing that we went on my ex-husband and I when I was pregnant went on a vacation to Maine and we went all the way up to Acadia National Park but Mm -hmm. on the way I made him stop oh (laughs) my gosh in banger at Stephen King's house (sighs) and took pictures outside of his at the time it was a I think it was purple I I saw the pictures and we went to have tea I made him stop in the town just in case Stephen King because it was summer was in town that's and so cool. He wasn't in Florida at the time. And there was an empty store shop named Needful Things that had like soaped out windows. And we went to tea. And my ex-husband was so annoyed with me because I'm sure we paid like a ridiculous amount of money to have tea. <laughs> we don't even drink tea. It's like this ridiculous place just so I can maybe hang out in the town long enough to run into Stephen King. Oh, there was definitely cool. cars in the driveway and I took pictures. So I often talk about my obsession with Stephen King and it definitely gets me a few eyebrow raises and everything, but it is a very unexpected mm-hmm. thing that I'm that out of the box that I would be. But yes, I have... Um, Yes, I'm obsessed with writers. I think it is one of the most amazing talents ever to have this kind of gift where you can tell the story. And and what I love about Stephen King is he he often has different characters that are woven into different stories, mm-hmm. especially because so much comes out of Maine and the similar towns and everything. Um, so that would be something unexpected. About I me. love that. <laughs> and I didn't expect to kind of have that in common with you. That's really, <laughs> really funny. Yeah. I picked up this book in the first grade at a library. My parents were very good about bringing us to the public library. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was drawn to it because it was this mm-hmm. fat book. I am talking, this book was like five, six inches thick, yellowed, sure. yellowed for pages. For first the word, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's nothing on the front page, okay? Or like there's nothing. It's it's a uh, 
It's a fabric bound oh, book. Yeah. There is no writing except for gold <laughs> lettering on the side that said it and king. And obviously I recognize those words as a first grader. <laughs> She's like sight words go for it. Yeah. There you go. Brought that book home, devoured it. And I swear yep. to you that like that set my life up because it taught mm-hmm. me about different perspectives. Because there's so many characters going through so many different things. Sure, some of them are horrific. Some of them are sexual. Some of them are all these things. But my parents never held me back from reading whatever I wanted. And I will thank them forever for that. And I will will never hold my child back from that. So you're telling me I should let the nine-year-old read the romance novels. Dude, I was. I was. A hundred percent. I was. Okay. I just, I could not let him pick up a Harlequin romance of Fatal Actress. I was like, you know what? You learn a lot about relationships. Pick the good yeah, ones. You know? I can recommend some authors. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He, tell me because he keeps asking, you know what? Out there, are authors, there needs to be a good kids' romance novel because Judy Bloom is not cutting it for him. No, that's not going to work out. He's too young. None of that's going to work out. There's, there's nothing in between. Uh, he's like, I want a romance mom. My shtick like, was okay. time travel romance. Time travel oh, romance. Wow. Yeah, it was okay. so good because it took the modern day and then like threw you back into medieval Ooh. times or whatever or vice versa. And so my Very two cool. favorite authors, thank you, Aunt Stacy, were uh, Teresa Medeiros and okay. Lynn Curland. All right. And they I'm have incredible. I mean, it. yeah. Are they saucy? They are, but they're, they're quality sauce. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like. They're going to get it on at some point in the book, but there's going to be so much dramatic, wonderful lead up to it and like proper romance and actual like I was obsessed with Scotland and Ireland and all these things. I learned so much through these books at the ripe age of eight, nine, 10 through yeah. 14 uh, that I, I would. Yeah. yeah, I absolutely. It started. What was, uh, I can't remember the first one I read. Breath of Magic. That was the very first one. Teresa Medeiros, Breath of Magic. That was the very first one. It had a. uh, And I I loved her. And I loved loved Lynn Curland. And I I waited for their books to come out. I thought they were phenomenal. And there's a lot of good perspective that you can gain from it. Do you learn some other trips and tricks? I guess so. But you know what? You're raising the boys. Stranger things right now. So whatever. I mean, I don't know. He was. He was using the BS swear word very appropriately today when we went to the water park and had to go down the beast of the east. He was like, you know, this is BS. I was like, you're right. You're perfect use of that word. So it is. That's perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. I wouldn't hold my kid back uh, from from reading those books. I certainly wasn't. And I think I'm a stronger person for them. So that's my that's my advice. I'll tag those authors, too, in case they want to come on the podcast. <laughs> That would be there you go. Oh my God. Too. Hashtag Stephen King. He's on Twitter, so he may follow. You, you might, never know. You never know. I follow him. Maybe you know at the end when I give my handle, maybe he'll he'll follow me. Dream come I don't true. Talk too much about horror, but like, come please. I mean, some I'll post some. He put puts up pictures of his pets, so maybe. Maybe I put. I'll put up some pictures of my pets if that's what you need. <laughs> Whatever it takes to make it happen. Whatever it takes. I'm committed to this new thing. I love I it. Am, We've got I Stephen am. King. We've got romance. Let's get our authors together. Write the that's best right. book ever. Oh man, I would cry with joy. I really would. <laughs> Horrific joy. Having one as a guest star if he comes on, and that's all I'm telling Absolutely. you. Absolutely, absolutely. God, to have a drink with Stephen King. I don't. Even, what would I wear? <laughs> I know. Like, how would you? How would that even work? I don't. He doesn't drink anymore, does he? I don't think. No, I don't think so. Anymore. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I'll drink tea. <laughs> that's right. Got no problem with I'll that. No requirement to drink. Just 
you no, know, just you come on to. a chat. That's right. Oh, God. Now I want like old Actually, book smell. <laughs> no, I know. Well, you know who would be really great to talk to is his wife, Tabitha. Because I actually would love, to, you know, I think that the, probably the most under, like, interviewed, supportive person that he's talked about in his books, but like, what a woman to talk about the woman, like the woman's role. Um, it'd be really good. And she has her own, her books are really, really good too. She, I think she's written a couple and his son, Owen King has written, Owen. Yeah, I think Tabitha has written books. Yes, as well. So it would be very, very interesting to say, like, talk to the whole King family. Let's just have a King reunion. Like, just get them all on. Like, that'd be great. No problem. When are you available? I'll call them right up. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it whenever, please. I'll make myself three o'clock in the morning. Sure. I'm up anyway. <laughs> that would be amazing. So uh, I'm going to assume this is your round date, something you wish you had more time for, which is tea with the King families, uh, family. But, uh, in actuality, something you wish you had more time for. Well, we'll put sleep aside, but um, mm. reading. I really wish I had more time to read. There's so many books I want to read. I brought six with me, and my husband's like, I'm going to read all of them. No, but I'll, I'll have, I have like three or four books going at any one time. So reading, definitely. I never understood the multi-book approach. That was never me. And then I had a child, and I was like, well, there are some days where I can read some of that. And I'm emotionally ready for that. There are some days where I can, I think I'm probably in the midst of six books right now. And I didn't think I could ever keep them straight, but I can. And one of them has, I think I've had going for 18 months, reading it extremely slowly because I'm savoring it because it feels so good whenever I read just a little bit. But I was never that person. And now, now in the midst of motherhood, 100%, tons of books. And that's not even counting the children's ones. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely would want to read more. Yeah, that Thanks is down. something I miss uh, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. And something I can't wait until my daughter is able to read on her own and I can create a nice reading space because I'm devoted to that read as a family, 20 minutes a night kind of thing. Uh, Let so. me know how that goes in 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still dreaming, <laughs> man. Okay. She's not yet too. I can leave the dream alive. For you. <laughs> <laughs> I can leave it alive for now. Oh, all right. How about the theme song? If you had a theme song, what would it be and why? We're almost at the end. Oh, my God. I don't know. At this age, is it staying alive? Would that just be appropriate? <laughs> like, Sure. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'm going to just say staying alive. Staying that's alive. what it feels like every day. Staying alive <laughs> every day. <laughs> keep it up. That's, that's fantastic. Fair, yeah. Hey, keep on keeping on. Keep staying alive. That's, That's right. Perfect. I'm sure there's like a Willie Nelson song in there somewhere. Like, uh, you know, I don't know, but definitely stay. <laughs> a little beer for my horses. Help. Yeah, that matches your <laughs> suburban life. <laughs> exactly. Oh, staying alive. That's good. That's fun. All right. Well, the mm -hmm. last actual round is ask me anything. So oh, this is where it flips God. to me. What burning mm. question do you have for All me? All right. So I want to know what your three descriptors are for you. Ooh. Oh, wow. Not prepared for that. Uh, okay. All right. Hang on. I'm going to think for a second here. Mm -hmm. Someone cue up the Jeopardy music. Do, 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 do. Sorry, I'm not the music person. I think so that I was really good. That was on pitch. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. That's from the high noon. <laughs> that was all high noon pitch. <laughs> Nailed it. You got That's how I know you've done early education is because you had that music right there. Yeah, right then. Not ashamed to break it out once in a while, the humming, like in a meeting or whatever. It's all good. <laughs> all right. My okay. three. This is mm -hmm. this is off the cuff. This is without giving 
any any long-term thought for it but my first one I'm proud of and it sounds like a weird word to use but it's loud my first my first one is loud and I I've chosen loud because I believe that I have the confidence now as an adult to actually project my voice and be heard and want to be heard. But also I dress pretty loudly. I wear glitter every day and I have worn glitter every day of my life since I was 14 years old. Uh, You know, not huge amounts, but it's subtle. I've been asked, when am I going to grow up and quit the glitter eyeshadow? I'm never going to. You will, you will rock on. That's it. Okay. You know, I'm typically in tie dye. So loud is definitely one of them. I would say intrigued because I'm fascinated by the world and the people in it and adventurous and just always curious about what else is there, uh, you know, in, in, in this life and afterlife, whatever, just intrigued by, by what else is there. And then I started writing um, another word and evidently it started with the letter A and then I started playing with my pen and I don't know what it was. So alcohol, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> ADHD. ADHD. I don't know. Okay. Uh, no. So I think I'm going to finish that word with the, the word and followed by an ellipsis, a uh, little and dot, dot, dot. So I don't know what else I am. I am. And I am yet More to be determined. Yeah, yeah. CBD check back later, you know, stay, stay tuned and find out my third characteristic. Cause I haven't figured it out yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I've gone through several periods of change in my life. And so to, to figure out my last, my last one, my, and I'm not ready yet. So that's Nothing what I'm going with that. I love I'm it. intrigued. I love and it. <laughs> it's my, I knew there was a reason we got along. That's yes, great. there is hundred percent, hundred percent because we can both jeopardy Perfect. sing after a high noon. Uh, <laughs> Surprised or we didn't bourbon. even pick the, the same drink tonight. I'm actually a little bit surprised by that. Just so in sync. <laughs> Could have been an in sync song. Uh, maybe next time. You know how I love to just rope you into these podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take too much rope. It's all good. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. All right. So how about, so we have two more questions. Well, two more things for you. So here we go. On yeah. tap. So it's, what are you working on right now? Slash, where can people find you on socials? Like, what's your... Okay personal jazz. All right. So what I'm I'm working on right now, becoming the absolute best, most kick-ass, awesome director of K-12 school counseling that I can be, um, learning about school counselors who are definitely underestimated in our profession um, as much as I can. And I thank God for all of the people that are bearing with me as I learn this role and then all that they do and everything in a very large urban setting uh, with a lot of freaking responsibility. Um, you know, MTSS and SEL and all the other things that I'm doing right now, like I'm working on mastering that while managing children and a house and a husband and that's a huge many undertaking. Other good for you. Yeah, it is. It's, it's good. So I'm working on that. So, uh, I, I do tweet mostly m- most of my Twitter is professional. So I'm at DRVRI one. So it's like Dr. Freeze almost DRVRI one. Um, and then, um, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, Rebecca DeVries, um, and things like that. And I have my own personal Facebook because Facebook for me is really more my kids and just, just like all the family that don't live around that want to see, uh, or don't want to see, can't see. And, you know, they don't follow, they don't follow me on Twitter or anything. So most of my work stuff is on Twitter and 
yeah. LinkedIn and then everything else is personal is on Facebook. Perfect. That's perfect. Those yeah. are great socials for people to find more of your awesome as you become the best kick ass K through 12 school counselor, uh, which I know you already are. So you don't have to step uh, into a new role. It's yeah. just who you're meant to be. But you're going to crush it's, it. It's It's definitely awesome. I mean, I have 39 school counselors that are making up our K-12 department. So how lucky are um, they? They are super lucky. How lucky am I? They are pretty amazing. They so we'll we'll definitely it'll be a very interesting couple of years to see how we get this all. I can't wait to hear and watch it develop and and catch up in the meantime to find out how it's going. So the very last piece of our show together is called Happy Hour. And that's your self-promotion or passion time, your soapbox something you want to spread the word about. How do you want people to remember you walking out of this today? Okay. So I would tell everyone that, you know, we often think about like taking all of these, like, oh, I've got to, I've got to really do this great new thing. Like I go on this great vacation with my family. I was thinking about this when I was at the beach the other day, actually. Um, For all of us who are out there super, super busy. And maybe the only moment you get is at the very end of the day. Just take moments. Stop living for the vacation that you're going to take the one week in August. Stop freaking like waiting for that and just take the moments that happen wherever you can grab them. So I think I had brought the boys to the park a couple of weeks ago and it was nice outside and I'd had a good conversation with somebody on the phone and I put it down and I had a book and they're old enough to play. And I was like, oh, the sun, like I'm going to take that moment. So like, that's what people, I want people to take away. Like it doesn't have to always be this all or nothing. Like I'm going to work, 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 work. And then. I'm going to take this amazing vacation or whatever it is or a break or whatever. Like really do small things for yourselves. Read some books for pleasure. Don't be ashamed to go grab whatever book. If it's a Harlequin romance or, That's you know, right. Stephen novel, you know, read some things for fun. Um, put down the phone mm-hmm. once in a while if you can. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me too. It is. You know, um, and, you know, ask for help. That's something I'm not good at. I'm really not good at that. I'm really, it's something I'm personally working on. Um, I have a really hard time asking for help. So ask for help and admit when you're wrong. Those would be the two. Your questions at the beginning now should be two things you can't do (laughs) that you want to do. Ask for help. uh, Admit when you're wrong. Apologize. Yep. I got it right off the bat. Don't even need to think about it, Marissa. Nailed it. Wow. (laughs) Look at that. But notice that, you know, you've got, you've got apologize, admit and ask. So you've got. I ended with three alliterations. You, you did. You Maybe did. I am a writer after all. <laughs> I think you are. I think you've got some poetry in your soul right there. <laughs> Not that I'm taking notes, but there. look at all those A's right there. <laughs> I expect a poetry book when I have you back on. Uh, on, that, on that note, our very last mm-hmm. time here together, uh, I have to toast you. So I hope you still have a glass, oh, a sip I in do, your I glass. Do. Yes, I do. And you must be an inspiration because uh, I have also put on my my poetry hat for the for you in this moment. <gasps> to be clear, I am a terrible writer, but it's just for you. So here we go. Okay, that's okay. All right. Our friendship through this decade has become a beautiful thing, and boy, I can't wait to toast you along with Stephen King. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. That is amazing. <laughs> Stephen, we will have tea. We'll have seltzer. Cheers to you. Mm-hmm. Cheers to you, Marissa. <laughs> Cheers to you. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for coming on. Thank you for tuning in to A Toast and a Tale. We are so glad you could join us for a drink. 
Tune in next week to hear the tale of another amazing guest. Interested in being on the show? Find at A Toast and a Tale on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on our website, www.atoastandatale.com, where you can also find past guest information, our merch shop, and more. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share on your favorite listening and social media platforms, and we'll be back next Friday. Until then, may your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. Cheers to you.